Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club, mate, so... Gather round fellow villains and welcome along to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com, in association with Manscaped. Today we shall be having a glance back over the start of the season before looking ahead to the much-anticipated Birmingham Black Country derby against Wolves. I'm Andy, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Craig. Ooh, yeah. Hey, Andy. Hey, listener. It is an international break special. I miss my Aston Villa, and um, but I'm able to get a lot more done <laughs> when Villa aren't around. I don't get distracted by all of the social media stuff, by all of the interviews. But I am looking forward to Wolves on Saturday, local derby, and hopefully three points for the mighty Aston Villa. Yeah, I can't wait to get back down um, into K2 in the Holt End. Uh, I hate international breaks, I have to say. It's uh, it's not the same. And I don't bother with England now. Joe's not... Uh, <laughs> Even with Ollie and uh, even with Ollie and Tyrone, uh, well, Ollie yeah, got on the other day. Tyrone didn't. Yeah, it'll come back. I'm, I'm sure it'll come back. I'm just I'm I'm wounded still, um, but uh, never fear. I'll be I'll be I'll be tuning in again before long. Um, but we just need to, I think, take the opportunity to look back over the the, the first few games of the season, really, um, just to sort of tie things up a little bit and. Um, it's been an, an up and down start to the season, um, which is maybe not entirely unexpected um, from that sort of extremely slow uh, and concerning 3-2 defeat um, at Watford to the impressive uh, long overdue away win at, at Man United. Um, it's been it's been anything but predictable. It's probably. You know, not that surprising in the context of how the the summer panned out, with at least two of the pre-season warm-up games being cancelled with due to COVID, and of course John Terry and Richard O'Kelly leaving the coaching staff. Um, you know, to re- be replaced by, I think, a new cult hero um, in Austin McPhee, um, and of course attacking coach Aaron Danks. Then, of course, there was the, the the pantomime of the Jack Grealish exit, um, which sparked a you know a bit of a flurry of spending from Villa with with Danny Ings and Liam Bailey amongst the the incomings. Um, just on balance, really, overall, how how do you assess uh, the start to this season? Um, I think it's seven games and and ten points, um, sitting sort of mid table. Um, you know, given some of the issues that Smith and the squad have faced. Yeah, I think that's just, that's it. I think the the answer there is in, in the question. I think there's been so many issues. My goodness me, losing your captain just a few days before the season, your captain and, and your star player. You know, uh, Jack Grealish, our, our greatest player of, of recent history. John Terry has been a massive part of the coaching staff. You know, he's been really been a massive part of the club since signing under old Brucie uh, back in the day. And uh, Richard O'Kelly, you know, Dean Smith's longtime confidant. So you're talking about really starting from scratch almost, apart from Shakespeare, who's only been in the door a year himself uh, with the coaching team. You're looking at missed preseason games. You're looking at uh, trying to integrate new players with lots of those players have had injury problems. Leon Bailey, we haven't seen. Buendia's been patchy. So I think there's 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 been a lot of excuses uh, if Dean Smith wanted them, but I don't think Dean Smith really needed them ultimately. I think the Derby, um, the, it's not the Derby at all. What am I talking about? The Watford game and the Tottenham game aside, we're not playing Derby, thank goodness, because they're in the championship and we're not. Um, the, the, those games aside, I think everything else was 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 pretty decent. Obviously, a really historic victory at Old Trafford, which you're really pleased with. So overall, a mixed bag, but I think tenth place. I think if you had said, okay, Villa are going to, with these problems, if you had told me we're going to beat Man United away, we're going to beat Everton, 
we expect to beat Newcastle, although maybe not for long. <laughs> and um, uh, we 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 got a draw with Brentford, which I think in hindsight, I mean, considering we lost uh, Ramsey and McGinn and uh, to to COVID and Mings to an injury, I think hours before kickoff, and Brentford have started like a house on fire. I think that has become a better point in retrospect than it felt at the time. So I think you would say solid, if not unspectacular, solid start, if not if not spectacular. But with the run of fixtures that we have coming up now, Andy, in, beginning with the the the, uh, the the derby against Wolves, now is really nut cutting time for Dean Smith and this Aston Villa side this season. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair summing up, really. And um, I was going to sort of say the the, the 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 highlight really has been the home form. Um, you know, you could say obviously Newcastle at the time we you know we we certainly expected to win that as I think everyone expects to beat Newcastle at the moment. Um and you know, not losing to Brentford was nice, um, because we've lost to them plenty of times over the last few years. Um and of course the Everton game was uh certainly the second half was spectacular. And I think having that 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 early season kind of performance um you know to really kind of showcase what 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 this new squad could could be all about in in future months i think was was really important you know the, the united the united win was 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 vital as well i mean that's that's really kind of that's kind of saved the first seven matches i think i think if we don't win the united game it does look a, an awful lot flatter than than um you know, than, than we are now. It's it's amazing how, at this stage of the season, you know those one or two extra points can can mean so much in how you how you view the season really, and that was such a, a kind of well a historic historic win really. Um, certainly not the best United team we faced, but but you know we just never expect to win those those matches. So it was it was great. So for me, and certainly as a season ticket holder, the home form. Is vital, you know. I, I I like to go to Villa Park, sort of, um, with a with a feeling that we're 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 in with a shout. We, you know, we can win, we can beat anyone, and I th- that's how I feel at the moment. Um, uh, and that's how it's panned out. Um, well, I think one of the, to, to take your point about the the home form. I think that one of the things that Dean Smith said last season was, you know, there's no difference anymore. You know, back in lockdown times when there was no crowd in the in the stadium, he was like, "There's really no difference, or not a great deal of difference between home and away." Having the Villa Park faithful, having people like you, Andy, <laughs> in there cheering on the boys, uh, apart from when they play three five two, but you're, you're in there, you're cheering on the boys. That has made a real big difference, and that atmosphere, you know, that that cauldron atmosphere that you can get on a good day at Villa Park, I think, has been priceless. And you would think with the derby coming up, that would help as well. Uh, but having said that, the away form also, uh, the Man United, to, to go to Man United away in front of a full house with Cristiano Ronaldo and, and all that other stuff, you know, Man United are going on, you know, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters, the Man United first team, you know, that that that's quite good too. But I would put this question to you, Andy, we finished 11th last season. On balance, people think that might have been disappointing given how we started. But again, we lost the Messiah, Ross Barkley, went from being sublime to ridiculous and, and there were other issues. Um, if we were to finish 10th at the end of the season, that would that would represent an improvement on last season's 11th place finish. Would you be satisfied with, with 10th if, if this is where we ended up? Well, as you know, at the end of last season when we were talking about um, what we might need to do this season, um, my phrase was top six or bust. And that was to do with the... Um, you know the uh, whole issue of of keeping Jack Grealish, obviously. Now that's not an issue anymore. But we, I mean, we'll come on to um, certainly one player later who that might be an issue for this season. But I do, yeah. I do think that, um, I do think that we need to be, we need to really be targeting Europe. And I know that's probably a big ask when when you lose your best player, um, the player that that does that had kind of. Um, you know, raised us up a couple of rungs on the ladder by himself at times. Um, it's it's very hard to, to to kind of compensate for that. But I think we've done a reasonable job in replacing in replacing him, or or, or certainly potentially, you know, aiming the squad in a different direction. 
which I felt we had to do. And we talked about that last year, didn't we? We talked about if 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 Jack wasn't there, then we'd have to play a different way. Um, you know, so it, it's uh, it's it's it feels it feels okay. I, I would I would be okay with tenth. I think if you offered me tenth now, though, I I think I would I would politely decline and see how we got on. Oh, I'm a gambler. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I you gotta know when to hold exactly. them. No way to fold them. All right. There's some the, the, Kenny Rogers. I think it was Lionel Richie and uh, and uh, 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 Brandy last week. Yeah. And actually, Lionel Richie wrote a hit for Kenny Rogers sports uh, music trivia fans in Lady. Lady, I'm a knight in shine. Anyway, so the point is, <laughs> Craig, with the gamble Craig's in a band is, listener. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am, yeah. I'm also like um, I, there's loads going on with me. I won't bore you with it, but so I'm a little bit bonkers today. Um, the most important thing in terms of in terms of that is if you had said before we made the signings that we made, we're going to lose Jack Grealish. Now there were some fans, Andy, that would have said that puts Villa, Villa in relegation trouble, and they didn't say that necessarily from a place of being pessimistic. They say that from a place of historically prior to this season, Dean Smith's record, as much as we love Dean Smith, we did a whole episode celebrating him last week. As much as we love Dean Smith, Dean Smith's record prior to this season without Jack Grealish was relegation battling kind of uh, uh, levels. So would you, based on that, would you say that 10th would be good? If you say, hey, we're going to sell our best player and finish higher, or is it still, no, we need we need more? Yeah, I think I, I might have fallen into the category of um, being concerned, you know, if we had have sold Grealish and not replaced him in the way that we have, I think I would have been concerned um, about a possible, you know, possibly getting drawn into the bottom reaches of the league. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose you, you could argue, you can always argue that if you finish above where you finished last season, that's progress. Um, and I think, I think given the, the the absolute tangible aspect of the team that we have lost, we know what we've lost, but we we really don't know what we've gained just yet, do we? In terms of the the signing, so I suppose from that perspective, finishing tenth or even eleventh again. Would be would be reasonable, and you'd have to accept that. And I think you know certainly there there would be no um, issue with 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 Smith keeping his job under those circumstances. Um, but I do feel that we just need to we just need to be aiming a little bit higher. And there are there are one or two clubs above us who, or supposedly above us, who might be um, you know catchable. I suppose if we think about. You know, Leicester are, are not firing on all cylinders. Spurs and Arsenal certainly haven't been, um, and I think Everton will drop away as well. So um, there will be there will be places, and I, th- I, th- I just don't think the Europa League is out of our grasp with the, with the squad we have, and certainly with with the keeper and the defence we have as well. I think I think we're we're capable um, of of doing that. I, I agree. I think we're we're tenth, and we have not seen. You know, I, I said last week we haven't seen. Aston Villa's best 11 on the pitch. Dean Smith has not had the opportunity to play his first 11 players. And yes, I know it's a squad game and you don't just have 11 players, but he has not been able to even consider playing his first or starting his first 11. I saw a a crazy stat the other day that um, it's not a stat or or a a, a truth, a fact. Uh, Apparently, Leon Begley, Ollie Watkins, Ings and Buendia have not all been on the pitch at the same time at any point so far this season. And that's, you know, kind of a, a bunch of our attacking talent. I do think there's a lot more to come from this fuller side. I think once we're firing on all cylinders, we could be something quite special. But um, you, but I I was starting to get carried away. But then the defeat to Spurs brought me crashing down to earth. And I think we will have some more of those days. I think we will have some some more old traffic days. I think there'll be another scalp or two because I think that, that once we put the pieces together, we're going to be hard for most teams to stop. But I'm really excited. And, and again, I think this this next batch of fixtures coming up with, with teams kind of around us, the likes of uh, uh, Palace, Brighton, Arsenal, 
And Wolves is going to tell us a great deal more about where this team can realistic, realistically finish. I think that was part part of my issue with the with the system we were playing was um, sometimes you need those um, those get out of jail cards, don't you? In a team, those those guys that 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 you have in the side that can can do something out of nothing. I think most teams in the in the Premier League, certainly in the top top half of the Premier League, would have those players. Um, you need the Jonathan Codger. You need, well, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad example because he, you know, certainly that that season he was playing. Um, without him, we'd have lost an awful lot of more games than we did, you know, and we may have been yeah. in trouble of, of going down as, that year, you know. As frustration, as frustrating as he was. He he is a player. You talk about can pull a rabbit out of a hat. He was a bit of he he was one of them. If if you could be having an awful game, you could give it to Kodja. You know he could he could miss a header at the back post and try an overhead kick or do something ridiculous. But he could also take on three players and put one in the top quarter and 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 get you three points. So you know we obviously Kodja's moved on to pastures new and and it's debatable whether or not he was up to the Premier League level but you feel like Brendia might have a moment like that you feel like certainly Chokwamenka when he grows into it might have a, a moment like that and you certainly feel uh that our, our our new man Leon Bailey has some moments like that which maybe was the spark we were missing against uh Spurs Andy yeah and I think I think the thing is when you have that kind of very defined game plan as well um, which we did have, and it re- it really relies on everyone putting in good performances. And as we discussed last week, you know, all of those midfielders, um, including the the, the wing backs, were, were were way off it um, against Spurs. And if that happens, and you haven't got a player um, who who can who can drag things along a little bit, or or create something out of nothing, which we didn't really have, um, you are you're struggling. You know, you you need. Because because you're always going to have those off days. No no team really plays well, you know, con- consistently, you know, over over a period of time. They'll all have a week where they're they're, they're off it and and nothing comes together. And it's those times where, you know, the the system, you know, or the, or the the tactics shift slightly, and and you can you can try and rely on your, you know, your your more attacking sort of options really. But we didn't really have that. Against Spurs and and and, but that's something that will will hopefully come as 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 the season goes on and as players get get fit and get up to speed. Wendy is a good shout because, you know, we haven't seen anything like his his best football yet, and um, he's kind of going a, a little bit under the radar, and he kind of put himself there, I think, with the the Argentina fiasco um, at the last international break. But once he kind of gets going again gets up and running I expect him to play on Saturday um and I think and I think he I think he'll be a real asset for us I would think so too I I think two things about Brundia the first thing is hopefully as you mentioned there the, the Argentina the Argentina fiasco didn't help him but hopefully now two weeks at Bodymore Heath um working on his fitness working with his teammates, the ones that are still there, because uh, we do have a lot of international players now these days, um, we'll have, we'll have stood him in good stead rather than travelling halfway around the world just to, to make up the numbers, which is where he is currently in the Argentinian setup. You know, no shame in that. Obviously, he's he's a, a burgeoning international player and he wants to establish himself, but he's not there quite yet. And the second point I would make about uh, uh, Buendia is, I thought that he was kind of a sure thing because he knows the league he had a season in the premier league he's had a couple of seasons in the championship he knows england he knows the culture he speaks the language so i thought he was a really really low adaptation risk it just goes to show there are no guarantees in football transfers you never never know exactly how a player is going to mesh and fit in and even when someone does know the league, does have a big mate in Emi Martinez and, and, and does know, you know, the club Aston Villa, he would have played at Villa Park before, played against the Premier League players before. Even when all those things are in place, it can sometimes take a player two, three, four, five, six months, whatever, to settle in and really find their feet in a new environment. And that seems to be the case with Emi Brendia. But I agree with you. I do believe he will get there. I'm not really concerned about him. I, I think he's got the quality and cream ultimately always rises to the top. Yeah, he'll definitely get there, and I think, you know, if you compare the two situations, I mean, 
you know, he's essentially had two or three years at Norwich, you know, you know, one season in the championship, but the two years either side, you know, he was playing in a team that were by far and away the best team in the league. So, you know, he was always going to be able to showcase his ability in that in that situation and they would have they would have built built the team to some extent around his 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 ability, a bit like we we perhaps did with um with Grealish. But you know, as as Grealish is finding that, you know, taking that step from a you know a smaller pond into a larger pond um is 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 hard, you know, it's uh, you're suddenly not Is that the same the with your your pond's full of oil? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you can get sticky in an oil pond. You see, it's difficult to swim. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be much, much better, don't you, to be able to do it? <laughs> you do. You have to be a strong swimmer in oil. It's thick. It can get in your eyes. Stings. Smelly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, horrible stuff. The Etihad's covered in it, but <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. But. Um, yeah, Buendia. We're about to Buen- talk about the academy. I think. Yeah, Buendia. has um, certainly, you know, got the ability, and and you know, Dan, if he was here, he'd be telling us, you know, that that all Buendia's qualities um, point to him being being a top player for us. Um, or hopefully would this Dan season. just be telling us how Buendia is keeping Trezeguet's place on the right wing warm for him until he comes back from injury? It maybe, but you never know. And I always think with with any squad. Um, you have to keep your options open, um, so you never know. Trezeguet could you be back know. in in April, banging in goals like last season. So, um, you know, well, let's... in the last ten games, he's, he's he is a starter for me. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So, what, what, what month is it? April. Trezeguet, mate, you're in. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But you did you, you mentioned the academy there, and one of the most um, exciting aspects. Uh, so far, has undoubtedly been the rise of a number of academy players. Um, who have made their marks in the first team? Kani Chukwemeka made his first start against Brentford with with um, Philogene Bidais has been not far behind him in terms of um, taking his his place in the matchday squad um, a number of times. Um, further to this, of course, Jacob Ramsey um, has been highly impressive um, and continued his 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 progress as a regular starter in midfield. And of course, there's been the spectacular re-emergence, really, of, of Cameron Archer, who I think we'd all forgotten about. Um, you know, and he's really caught caught everyone's imagination. Um, further to this, I mean, you look at the under twenty ones. You know, last week when we were recording, um, they were busy um, beating Burton Albion. Um, you know, and they they look set to reach the knockout stages of the Papa John's Trophy, which which is a, a really impressive. Achievement for an under twenty one side, you know, beating uh, beating league opposition, um, you know, quite comfortably, really. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever seen these numbers of of academy players um, affecting the first team. You know, I can't I can't recall um, at Villa. Um, they often say, you know, to give a, you know the academy kind of five to ten years to really to really judge it and see the fruits of it. But are we starting to see? The, the early effects of, of Mark Harrison's influence and of course the backing of the of the ownership I think we are I think that this is really incredible I think that we we have had batches I think you know we've had uh, the likes of uh, you know Gareth Farrelly uh, he was very well thought of once upon a time along with the likes of Lee Hendry and Darren Byfield uh, Lee Hendry was the only one that really you know made it to the, the top and represented his country at that that batch. We obviously had Michael Standing who came with, with Gareth Barry. Michael Standing was considered to be the, the, the better of the two, but Barry obviously went on to be the all-time Premier League appearance uh, uh, record holder and, and had an absolutely resplendent career. And then, you know, the, the, the more recent batch, you know, the, the lads that won the next gen um, probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, you know, more brothers and, and them lot. Again, none of them really made it to the, uh, to, to the heights that you wanted them to make it to. So this... This is a really incredible bunch of players. It is so incredible that I'm now beginning to struggle to know where or who to pin my hopes onto. Um, I was really 
like obviously you don't have to pick them you know you don't have to choose between your your, your children your villa children but like i was really excited for louis barry like he was the name on the tip of my li- on, on, on my lips and then kind of brad young emerges you're like oh well this brad young there's something about this this guy and then you've got Chukwemeka. And then Cameron Archer kind of has, has, has taken the, the thunder out of anyone, come out of nowhere. And now he's the one who's 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 kind of ahead of Chukwemeka and ahead of Philogene Bidace. You've got Jacob Ramsey, who's who's cemented his spot in the Aston Villa first team. And Aaron Ramsey, who is allegedly the more talented of the two, making waves in the under-23s and also for the England under-19 team, I want to say. So... There's just and that's and I'm missing half of them. Not to, you know we have got Feeney, we've got good the, the, the uh, Kessler Hayden uh, right back. The, it's just incredible. Like I'm I know I'm missing players, but there's just too many to literally name. So I think that this is a really exciting time, and I'm going to. I was thinking about the Newcastle takeover, and and Andy, we were we were you were to and fro in whether or not to mention it, but this is. This is linked to the Newcastle takeover, and, and here's why for me. I don't think the Aston Villa long-term model, based on the academy, I don't think that it is to try and be signing £100 million Lukaku's or £80 million uh, Harry Maguire's. I don't believe that is the long-term Villa vision. So I don't think that we're going to be trying to compete with the likes of Saudi Arabia and Newcastle and Manchester City and the other people. I think the Villa strategy is what we're seeing now. Mark Harrison, Perslow, and the 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 whole production unit, I'm going to call them, behind the scenes, is to gather up the very, very best youth talent available and to nurture them into £100 million players like Jack Grealish. And make that make that be the way that we are competitive because there's no question we have now gone from being an academy which was lucky if we 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 could we could churn out a couple of players for League Two to players that we are looking at having for the next five or ten years that can be legitimate international stars. Now I said could be obviously a lot can happen. There's a lot of caveats with young players, but it. In, in, in response to your question, I have never seen anything like it. It is scary how talented the Villa uh, uh, youth are. And it's almost, you almost don't want to get too carried away, but you almost do want to get carried away. I don't know. Are you carried away? I'm trying not to get carried away. I'm getting carried away. I mean, I was I was tweeting the other day that, you know, we could have a trip to Wembley on the cards if we can get, <laughs> get through this competition. I mean... You know we have we have players that are that are that are smashing it at that level, um, but of course, you know it's always then how you know is the is the pathway clear into the first team for these guys? Now, I know you know it's been in the media. Philogene Bedace and Chukwemeka have both had an awful lot of um, uh, attention. Um, from from huge clubs uh, in Europe, in Germany, where you know I- English players, English young English talent, really seems to be thriving in Germany over the last few years. That seems to be a, a well trodden path now. Um, and obviously from Italy, um, Feeney, who you mentioned, um, is sixteen. I think he's a, a centre back or a, a defensive midfielder, and he's he had every club in the country after him, and he's mm. he's chosen Villa. Um, now that suggests to me that they're they're being they're being um, specifically targeted, but they're also um, being sold the, the the dream, if you like, and 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 being shown the pathway into the first team. They would they wouldn't be just signing for Villa if they thought they were going to be in the academy for a couple of years and then get farmed out somewhere or or sold to League One. You know, then that's not what they're here for. They're they can see the route through to the first team, um, and when you see Jacob Ramsey, um, you know obviously, you know, coming into the side and, and, and kind of nailing down his place in the start of the season, and then Cameron Archer coming out of the wilderness and being given his his opportunity because he's on fire, um, it, it can only it can only be a, a huge boost for these lads. Um, 
but it's almost like we've got too <laughs> we've got too many, <laughs> and we you know well, you this, wonder this how how you're yeah. going to fit everyone in. Well, the, you said pathway there, um, and in order to have a pathway, sometimes you've got to clear some dead wood. Um, yeah. you've got to get your machete out and you've got to, you know, wade through the jungle like John Rambo. That's the second time I've squeezed John Rambo <laughs> in recent weeks. You've got to, you've got to cut away all the all the jungle. You've got to cut away a bit like well, we're not doing the manscape ad yet, but you've got to cut away all the excess fur. You've got to trim it off. And um what is the excess fur at Aston Villa? What is the excess bush, if you will, in more ways than one? Well, I, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but probably with that segue, there's, there's no way this is going to sound nice now. But the bush, the extra baggage that is the likes of Gilbert. It is the likes of maybe Trezeguet. It is maybe... Not your beautiful baby boy. I don't, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say him. It is Engels. See you later, Engels. Kalinic. See you later, Kalinic. Samata. See you later, mate. Off you go. Um, you know, you had six months. We can see you're not up to it. Um, see you later. It, it might be uh, Wesley again. Dean Smith and 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 Shaky the Bard obviously took a look at him in preseason and said, "Nope, off you go, my son." Um, so it is. There are going to be casualties because in order for there to be enough space in the first team for these players to come through, you know, Kessler can't come through if Gilbert's hanging around. Um, um, likewise, uh, Chukwemenka, um, Caleb can't necessarily come through with Keenan Davis or Wesley are hanging around and, and block and clogging up the, uh, the, 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 pathway. So in order for this to work, you would think there's going to have to be some serious exits and, and that means, that means that, that some of our favorites are going to be moved along, Andy. I think that's the natural that that's the natural way, isn't it? You know, p- players players get you to a certain point and then and then maybe move along. You know, ultimately, you know, it's up to the player. It's up to the it's up to the players coming through to prove they're better than the ones that are in the team. And it's likewise, it's up to the players in the team to continue to prove to the manager. That they're worthy of selection. That's the way it works. And if they're not, you know, if either of those things don't happen, you know, you don't get that that you know that transfer. You know, but I mean, it's it. I mean, I was I was thinking about Archer because I don't know what you think, but I know he's scoring against. He's scoring a hat trick against Barrow. He's scoring a hat trick against Burton. You know, he scored against. He scored a fantastic goal against Chelsea. But this lad looks like he's got it. There's something about the way he, he does, finishes, yeah. the way he gets into positions, and the way he takes his opportunities, which makes you go, "Oh, this is this is someone who's got a future here." Yeah, I think there there is something about him, but and and that's that's the that is the mad thing because it it just it there is no script, there is no predicting it. You know, you said you're a gambler earlier and we did a Kenny Rogers interlude. Like, you can't gamble on it. Like, the brightest prospects do not necessarily turn into the biggest stars. Harry Kane is a great example. Harry Kane was not the most talented uh, player to come out of that batch of, 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 of youngsters at Tottenham. He was thought of as being kind of a steady Eddie, you know, okay. And he turns into the number one striker in the history of the club. Um, you know, maybe Jimmy Greaves aside. Certainly in the, in the Premier League era, you know, uh, Harry Kane is number one. Uh, it it can go that way sometimes. So as much as other players might have been more heralded, I mean, certainly there was a lot more hype around the likes of Andre Green or Callum O'Hare coming through the Aston Villa Academy than there ever was associated with Cameron Archer. But already you would say Archer, having scored a hat-trick in the cup, um, you know, just that alone, that was more probably than certainly O'Hare did. Uh, Green certainly contributed a bit more in, in, in some of the championship years. But then again, already... The hype does not necessarily equal the, or the potential rather, does not necessarily equal the outcome. And potential without application, without the hard work, or talent without application or hard work, does not necessarily a good career make, as we've seen with so many that have fallen by the wayside, that have promised so much. So it's really, in, a, in such a dog-eat-dog industry, it also seems to be quite friendly, almost, 
in the Aston Villa ranks, in the youngsters. They seem like a really close-knit bunch. So all those games they're playing, they're bonding together. They're developing the chemistry. They're developing an understanding. So if we get to a place in a year or two's time where two, three or four of these players happen to be in the team together, which is which is possible. You could see Bidace being in the team. You could see Jacob Ramsey staying in the team. You could see Aaron Ramsey being in the team. And let's say uh, Kessler comes in. There, there immediately you've got four players that have been playing together for years that have the chemistry, that have the understanding, that have, uh, 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 have, a, have, have a, a connection which really can stand you in good stead in terms of the, the chemistry of the club moving forward. So if, and it's a big if, but if this is harnessed correctly, we could be looking at a class of 92 type scenario. And I don't say that lightly, but the the pieces are there, it's fair to say. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember as well that this hasn't happened by accident. No. This 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 comes from the top. So it comes from um Edens and Suarez who 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 want this this type this level of academy success and, and more so. Um it comes from Perslow. Putting putting things in place, putting the right people in place, it comes from Dean Smith, who, you know, at, at, at both his previous uh, managerial roles um, oversaw, you know, the 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 various youth setups um, at those at those places, or certainly the, you know, it was a bit different at Brentford, I think, with the B team, but you know, it's about developing players, and of course, Mark Harrison. Just knows what he's doing, and it in it and it shows these pl- these people. They haven't just happened on a on a good group of players. This is this is actual kind of people who know what they're doing, working in a targeted, effective way. And I didn't expect to see anything um, from the academy for, for another few years at least. So the fact that we've got now Archer, Philogene, uh, Bidace, Chukwemeka. All and and Ram, all, they're all regularly in the match day squad, and Ramsey's in the first team. I just think it's incredible. I really do. It is. It is, and it's exciting. It is exciting, and it, and it really augurs well moving forward. Because let's say that you don't have, um, let's say that you don't necessarily have a place for all of these players in the first team, as you alluded to. Not all of them. Not all of them are going to make it. Look, as much as we're excited about them, that's it's just numbers. It's just statistics. Not all of them are going to make it. But what you hopefully have is something maybe approaching in a few years what Chelsea do, where the players that aren't good enough for the Chelsea team, the likes of Tammy Abraham or or or, or, or uh, uh, Timori, they they sell them on for 30, 40 million pounds. I mean, maybe we're not going to be at that point quite yet. But in terms of being having a sustainable club and in terms of having a club which can fund its own success, having success having a successful academy where you can rather than losing players like Green and O'Hare for nothing as we have in the past, if you can get 5 million or you can get 10 million for players that you think are not going to quite be ready for you right now, it helps, you can reinvest that money in the first team and you can also reinvest that money in the next batch of of, of stars from the likes of Exeter City. We've done business with Bristol Rovers, Exeter City, the young man, uh, Crescent, Bristol Rovers for the young lad, uh, the striker, who's sought after uh Shaq Poker we haven't even seen who's like this hot prospect from Norwich he's had terrible injury problems you know that that five six seven eight million allows you to bring in the next batch and the next batch and the next batch so it is really exciting and and also I think the geography of of of, of Birmingham and Aston Villa helps it's centrally located it's a major international city it has transport hubs you can get to most places in the country relatively easy from Birmingham so so you're if you're away from home, you don't need to be that far away from home, if that makes sense. Whereas if you're up north or down south, it can be a little bit trickier to 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 you know all those things you know happen happen to help. So it is it's it's incredibly exciting, and I can't wait. You know, two years down the line, what is the Villa first team going to look like? And and I can't help but feel like a large proportion of these of these these players we have now, maybe as much as four or five of them will be starring in the Premier League for Aston Villa and going on to get, you know, international recognition themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the mind boggles, really. But, um, I mean, I was even thinking what the, what will the team look like at the end of the season? It might, you know, it might look different different even then. But um, we'll, well, we'll... we know Trezeguet is going to be playing because last 10 <laughs> games, Trezeguet must play. Those are the rules. So sorry for Legine de Bidace if you break through and are having a wonderful season on the right wing. Or you, Brendier, if you have a lovely season. Doesn't matter. Trezeguet must play last 10 games. No exceptions. <laughs> yeah, I... We'll see, <laughs> but um, <laughs> as we're in we're in international fort, fortnight, it's worth mentioning. Um, you know, you alluded to it before, but the sudden wealth of talent we have uh, playing for their various various national teams, Ollie Watkins and, and Tyra Mings, of course, have been um, with the England camp. Whilst John McGinn and, and Douglas Louise have represented Scotland and Brazil, uh, respectively, with McGinn punctuating a vintage performance the other night with an excellent goal um, as Scotland beat Israel. Um, however, the man who appears to be climbing the tree in terms of, of global acclaim is, of course, the goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez. The Argentine keeper continues to collect uh, clean sheets, you know, like the, you know, beer mats <laughs> or something. Um and he's been singled out for for special praise by the great Lionel Messi himself. He he has also been nominated for the Yashin Trophy, um, which is the, the the goalkeeper's equivalent to the Ballon d'Or, which is just blew my mind when I saw that last week. Um, it seems astonishing for an Aston Villa player to be achieving this level of of, of global success. Of course, he won the the Copa America in the summer, which I, I forgot to mention. There's too much other stuff. Um, which is obviously great for the club, but but how much does this concern you in terms of kind of being able to retain his services and and how much would he be worth to Aston Villa? Ooh, well, uh, yeah, this is this is the this is the double-edged sword. Having wonderful players doing wonderful things, as Emmy Martinez is, not only elevates you as a football club, it elevates your standing internationally. But it also means that, uh, you know, the the vultures will be circling looking for a player of Martinez's ilk to join their, you know, there's no question that he is now a one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And I don't say that flippantly. He's playing for a major international powerhouse in Argentina, and he was a key component in their Copa America win with his heroics in a shootout, big saves in the final. So he's now winning major honors at international level. Argentina are targeting the World Cup, Messi's last World Cup. Obviously, that's being built up a great deal already um, about Argentina being contenders for that trophy. And Martinez is going to be a key component of that. So he really is one of the top goalkeepers in the world, as is evidenced, as you mentioned, Andy, by the Yashin Trophy nomination. So it, there's no question that clubs looking for a goalkeeper at the very top of the game, I'm talking Juventus, I'm talking Atletico Madrid, maybe even Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, not that Barcelona could afford him at the moment, but the, the big top, top clubs will be circling at some point. Now, for an Aston Villa goalkeeper, this to me is kind of unheard of. Uh, Bosnich was not talked about in these kind of circles. He signed for Manchester United and was as found wanting. Uh, Brad Friedel was not being talked about. as He was one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, but he wasn't being talked about as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Uh, David James, very, very good goalkeeper for Aston Villa in his day, England International, but no one was talking about Jambo as being one of the best goalkeepers in the world, at least not if you were sensible. But now we are, we are Guzan, obviously, Nyland, not so much. Uh, <laughs> a shout out for my mate, uh, what was his, what, what was the guy's name that hung around? Bun, Mark Bun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Bun is my, is I think the worst filler goalkeeper I've ever seen. Um, but you seem like a nice, a nice man, but goodness me, he was terrible. He was so, one of those, he was one of those with Mika Richards who was good in the dressing room. Whatever that means. Yeah, I, look, lads, Villa, <laughs> if you want someone who will be good in the dressing room, sign me up, 50 grand a week. No, let's make it 40, 40 grand a week. I will come and be the best person in the dressing room. I will keep everyone entertained. I'll be yeah. wonderful in the dressing room. I'm not very good at football, 
But that just, but I can be wonderful in the, the, the dressing room for any Premier League teams can, who need that. You can sing Lionel Richie songs. I can sing Lionel Richie songs. I can sing Brandy songs. We even do a bit of country and Western with the great uh, Kenny Rogers. Anyway, the, the, the point is that Emi Martinez is, has, has become one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Aston Villa currently, Andy, are not one of the best club teams in the world. As we've been talking about already, we are currently, currently as it stands, a mid-table Premier League outfit. Amy Martinez will be expecting either this year or next. This is very similar to the Jack Grealish conversation. It's almost deja vu. He Martinez will deserve, not even expect, he will deserve to be playing at least Europa League football, if not Champions League football, in the next 18 months. Um, but if... He is going to be the target of bids. You would think that the conversation would start at about sixty million pounds, just to just to start the conversation in terms of value. Not that Aston Villa want to sell. Obviously, we want to keep hold of our best players, and Emi Martinez probably is now our best player. Um, it's arguable anyway. Maybe him or, or Leon Bailey. Um, so you want to keep hold of your best players, but his his value is is just incredible. His transformation into one of the best goalkeepers in the world from from Arsenal substitute is incredible and again you have to you have to give a pat on the back not only to the player but also to the coaching staff Aston Villa uh, Cutler uh, Smith and and the Aston Villa team for for helping develop him into the player he is today but for sure we may we may soon have a have a have a battle on our hands to keep hold of him because he is that damn good I can see him breaking the goalkeeper record was it about 80 million is is Kepa still the the most expensive goalkeeper? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see I can see it going that high, at least, um, because I just don't think if oh, certainly if he was to go next summer, um, I think I think that's what we're talking about, and that the clubs involved would have to really really want a new goalkeeper. The one thing that I think. Um, and look, I, you know, I agree with everything you said. I absolutely love the guy. I think he's he is one of the best goalkeepers in the world, if not the best, um, in terms of the goalkeeping aspect. I think what where he maybe falls down slightly is the, um, the, the, the you know the stuff on the deck, the, the 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 stuff with the ball. Not that he's bad at it by any stretch. He's very very good at it, and we certainly missed him when he wasn't there. Um, but when you look at the the, the goalkeepers who are the, at the top clubs, so um, obviously uh, you got Ed, Ed, Edison, Allison, um, Neuer, um, I think of some more. Courtois, <laughs> Donnarumma, Donnarumma, Donnarumma Cor- yeah, well, yeah, I... um, they, they they are you know that they, they are so good. On the ball. Even even um, Pickford, he's 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 dodgy Pickford, for me as yeah. a goalkeeper, but his distribution is beyond reproach. Yeah, so that's the only place. But 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 ultimately, um, you know, I think I think the way he he generally keeps goal is, um, you know, outweighs that for me because ultimately, you know, I want my, I mean, they City signed that Claudio Bravo, didn't they? Because he was good with his feet, but he. He couldn't save the damn thing. A clown car um, of a goalkeeper he was. <laughs> so um, I think I think <laughs> I think there's uh, there's there's different ways of looking at it, but but I think I certainly think. Um, well, let, well, let's look at the money. I'd, I'd be very I, disappointed if we let him go for less than eighty million. Well, I, well, I mean, let's not let him go at all. But I, I have the uh, here's your top three: uh, Kepa, uh, Ariz, uh, Balaga. Atletico Bilbao to Chelsea, 2018, 71 million pounds. And number two is Alison Becker, AS Roma to Liverpool in 2018 for 65 million pounds. And number three is Thibaut Courtois, Chelsea to Real Madrid in 2018 for 35 million pounds. Um, if if Kepa's your benchmark, then for, then for sure. Um, Martinez, what is he? 28, 29. He can be a he can be a goalkeeper. He can be at the top of his game for another eight, nine, ten years. So, for sure, you'd be wanting at least, yeah, at least seventy million. You would have thought because he's just he's just special, and it's not just um, it's not just his goalkeeping. It's also the the personality. 
you know, he's a winner and he's a big, big personality, not only in the Aston Villa dressing room, but now he's become a leader. He's come from the shallows to be a leader for, for Argentina. You know, Messi seems to be name checking him in every interview at this point. That is a major, major personality in the in the dressing room for Argentina and for Aston Villa. And that as well increases the transfer fee. I mean, with all due respect to, you know, the likes of Tom Heaton and some of the other players we've had, this guy's just in a different stratosphere. He is, he is, absolutely. And he would be a very difficult one to replace. Have you got any idea? Who would, who would you replace him with at this point? If he was to go in January, who would you go for? Well, he's not going to... Oh, um, No, he's not going to go, but I, <laughs> hypothetically. I've put uh, you on the spot there. You have put me on the spot. I, I think... can throw a name out if you... No, go on, yeah. Hit, hit me with Sam it. Johnston. Oh, God, No. No. <laughs> no, no. I, I think he, I think he's okay. I think he's okay, but I think that Johnston isn't isn't. Yeah, I mean, listen. In terms of all those things that we talk about, in terms of making transfers as low risk as possible, he's already played for the club. He has a house, presumably, presumably in the area. He wouldn't need to move home or move his kids' school if, if he has kids. All those things do matter. We don't talk about them enough in terms of the off the field stuff and how those how that affects people. Um, so, in terms of settling in, you know, Sam Johnston would be a no brainer. But I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that Sam Johnston wouldn't necessarily be at the, you know, it would certainly be a step down. I think. But Sam Johnston wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad wouldn't no I I know I reacted negatively there but actually having think on balance transfer fee he's also at a good age knows the club has played for Aston Villa lives in the area English you know so there are there are there are lots of plus points for Sam Johnston but again with all due respect for Sam Johnston that's John, Sam Johnston sorry that that is a, a large step down from Emmy Martinez a large step he's he's a long way off the Yashin Trophy isn't he. Yeah, he's 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 he'll be lucky to get a check of trade trophy <laughs> playing for the baggies. <laughs> Bless him. He, he, I I loved him when he was at Villa on, on loan for those couple of years and uh, but um yeah, he's probably a long way off Martinez, but you know, these are these might be conversations we're having to have uh at some point, but hopefully not for a long time just yet. But I was just thinking, Craig, one of the one of the things um that helps a goalkeeper, I think, is um, is keeping the lawn short around them. You know, keeping that keeping that grass nice and uh, nice and short, so there's no divots, there's no there's no nasty stuff for the ball to have to have to go through. The ball rolls freely back to them. So, you know, I don't know why that came to mind now, but that's just that's just what's on my mind. Have you got well, any, any thoughts about, on that? Yeah, well, this is important, and this is this is. This is where Manscaped comes in, I think, Andy, is what you were alluding to, because <laughs> what we're talking about in terms of goalkeepers, it's a bit like swimmers. It's about aerodynamics. You know, I don't know how you are with physics, Andy. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, somewhere between poor and average, but I do yeah. understand that you want a, as the least resistance when you're moving through space <laughs> as you can as you can muster so if you're a goalkeeper and you're diving to save a ball you probably want to make sure that you've your, your legs are shaved the arms are shaved we know when we see the swimmers older michael phelps and uh, ian torpedo that's going back a, a fair whack those swimmers and even the divers young tom daly and his little uh, little uh, speedos there they are shaved to within an inch of their life now you may not be listening to me as a swimmer or a high-level goalkeeper. But what you might want to do is you might want to get aerodynamic in the bedroom. You might need to get your thrust as powerful as it can be in order for people to enjoy your movement. And the best that, way you those can... Extra, those extra millimetres count. Those extra millimetres count. So you've got to make sure that you are as aerodynamic as possible. Now, some of us are hairier than, hairier than others. And that hair can really... It can... Well, it can get in the way. As it get, you know, we, it can get dirty. It can get sweaty. It can get entangled. But if you're shaved, you can be aerodynamic and you can thrust with the power that you might want to thrust with when you're in those intimate moments. And you can have your balls be manscaped refined with the manscaped 4.0 performance package in which you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 
the, which is the trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. We don't talk enough about the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. If you look like you have Carlos Valderrama creeping out of your nostril when you're on a hot date, that is not a winner win a chicken dinner when you're trying to get your freak on like Missy Elliott. There's another there's another reference for you. So make sure that those knee, nose hairs are trimmed so you can, I guess it can help with your breathing as well. This is a medical, this is a medical benefit here. Make sure you haven't got ears sprouting out like Victor Mel drew on a bad day. Make sure that you are smooth and aerodynamic, just like Michael Phelps, just like Yashin Trophy nominee, Emmy Martinez, Visit manscaped.com and remember you get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P at manscaped.com. Thank you, Craig. It's all about those marginal gains, guys. Get it sorted. (laughs) And marginal gains might be needed this Saturday. Um, Craig as Villa... The Premier League returns and and, and Villa face um, local rivals, Wolverhampton Wanderers um, at Villa Park. Wolves have had um, quite an indifferent start, really, under new boss Bruno Large. I think that's how you say it. As they get used to to life without Nuno and have struggled, really, to adapt to the, the, the new manager's ideas. However, they only sit one point behind Villa and they're in 12th. Um, and having beaten Newcastle last time out, they'll be looking to back that up and move above Villa in the table. Dean Smith will be hoping for the return of Leon Bailey, although Morgan Sanson probably will miss this this game, probably still unavailable for a couple more weeks. And I think we heard today that Bertrand Traore... He's also um, struggling with an injury uh, for Burkina Faso at the moment, so he may not be available either. It's also unclear whether Martinez and Douglas Louise will be back uh, for South America in time to take part in the game. But Craig, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this one? And, and could we see a, a change of system maybe? We will, Andy. I think your three-five poo is going to be is going to be done away with. I think you're going to be delighted. I think that uh, our man Courtney Hawes will drop to the bench. Um, I think after his exploits at Old Trafford, um, he was unable to back that up with a similar performance against Tottenham. Um, the whole defence, and that's not Courtney Hawes' fault, the whole defence got the absolute runaround from Sun, as we discussed last week. Um, it was uh, a sunny day for Tottenham. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're not the first, um, you won't be the last. Yeah, it was a sunny day for Tottenham and a, a, a cloudy day for Courtney Horse. The horse was being rained on. It was cloud. All right, I'm going to stop there. Um, yeah, so Horse will probably drop out, I would have thought, with Buendia coming in on the right side. I think Buendia, again, being at Bodymore Heath for two weeks without the distraction of the international football. And also now... Hopefully that lights a bit of a fire at Brendier's backside. He's been flown out, messed around by the Argentina manager, you know, for for an international training session. It's put the skids on his Villa career, and now he hasn't been picked for the Argentina squad this time out. He'll want to go to the World Cup next year. So hopefully that lights a fire at Brendier's backside as well to show that he needs to regain his Norwich form and he needs to do it for Aston Villa. Leon Bailey, Sanson, I don't think you risk either of them from the start. Um, but I think what will be interesting is, you know, we talked a lot about um, about Watkins and Ings last week and in the previous weeks, and the general consensus seems to be amongst most Villa fans that Ings and Watkins have yet to sparkle as a tandem although they both had individual moments of quality. Um, obviously, Ings' overhead kick is, is still a standout moment of the season and his assist for Leon Bailey's goal against Everton. Ollie Watkins getting off the mark himself in the previous game against Tottenham. Um, so I also wouldn't be surprised to see one of those, which will probably be Danny Ings, uh, drop to the bench. And I was going to say that I think Traore would return to the team, but now this news that Traore is potentially hurt again, I mean, Dean Smith can't catch a break, Andy. He literally cannot get 
his star players or his best players, his best attacking players on the pitch. So we'll see. Maybe it's a start for Philogene Bidais. Maybe Archer comes in for a first Premier League start on the wing. But I'm certainly expecting 4-3-3 on, on Saturday against Wolves. And I expect us to to um, hopefully uh, be much more much more fluid and and together than we were in that horrible Tottenham performance. So you went through all the wingers there that could replace Traore, and you didn't mention El Ghazi. I mean, that's that's incredible, incredible, Craig. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think um, I think this this I think you're right. I think we'll go we will go back to to, to the four three three. I really hope so. Um, and Buendia will come in. I think he'll keep Ings and Watkins um, in the side and they'll have more of a kind of rotating front three. Possibly with Watkins, you know, generally at the at the at the point of that three, but um the other two kind of kind of playing as almost two number tens, I reckon, behind. Um and that'll that'll mean that you know the the wing backs, presumably Cash and Target, will have to really get up and down, but they'll be used to that from playing as wing backs um you know over the last few weeks so yeah it, i mean the main thing will be the midfield so it depends whether obviously Douglas Louise um whether he's back he, he or would, not and you would think he hasn't got a chance i mean yeah. it's they're, they're even it's just the flight takes it out of you and and you know but marvelous also has a long flight himself so yeah that's uh I think Marvelous is back a couple of days earlier, but you would, I would you would you envision then Marvelous, John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey as the midfield three? Yeah, could be. I mean, that would that would seem logical. Um, the the big miss as well would would be Martinez if he's if he if he's if he's not coming back. I mean, I just think it's I just think it's um, you know international football and club football really has to dovetail um, for it to work. Um, you can't have international matches kicking off on the other side of the world um, 48 hours before club matches, you know, where players can't get back for them. It's it's just... Yeah, this is just... more of a rat's tail than a dovetail, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's like a... It's like a uh, it, it it is it has been a mess. My understanding is that this is the last time this is going to happen. That the South American um, uh, the, the Common Ball qualifiers are now caught up, except except for the Argentina and Brazil game, which may need to be rescheduled. But other than that, this is going to be the last of the kind of triple headers for them. Um, so that should calm down now. But it 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 has been really unconscionable and I think Villa have suffered more than most because I think some of the other teams have either A got away with it or or B they're just not um they're just not they just haven't suffered in the same way. So it's been tough on Villa, tough on Dean Smith and it seems like the problems aren't going away. As you say, even if we do have Martinez back, he's probably going to be a little bit bleary eyed and and having just landed off the plane. Louise, if he's back in time, probably isn't going to start. So, you know, again we're potentially losing two of our very big players. Uh, from another starting eleven for a local derby, it, it isn't ideal at all. It's not ideal, and you know we hope that the that the squad can cope. And in fairness to the to the squad that we have, as we mentioned earlier, um, we had several players all of a sudden not 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 available for the Brentford game, and they managed to um, managed to get a point out of that one. So um, it's not something we're we're, we're not used to, but. You'd rather not have it, and you know maybe, you know if if Leon Bailey can be available for for at least some of the game to be on the bench or whatever, maybe that will offset the uh, the the um the the fact that that Martinez isn't there, maybe. But we'll see. So, I mean, the back four still picks itself really, um, and then yeah, probably Nakamba, McGinn, and and Ramsey. Yeah, and Buen- I'd go Buendia, Watkins, and Ings up front. That'd be my that'd be my choice. So are they? Are they? Are they? How are they set? Come on, Andy. Are they? Are they? Is it a four three three? Is one of them on the wing, or are you playing a front two with Buendia in the ten role? But then your your, your team is struggling with width. What? Well, or, or maybe not. What? 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 what yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd say that that. that, that you know, with 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 Watkins up front or Ings up front, with with kind of two number tens, uh, type that type of that type of formation. 
Um, as long as it's yeah, not probably, five defenders, would you're, you're going to be pleased. You don't, you don't care what yeah, it is as absolutely. long as there's not five at the back. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You don't need, you don't need five defenders. Um, <laughs> you do to win for the first time in 12 years away at Old Trafford. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'll give you that. Especially I'll when your you fifth defender one. pops up with the winner. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that one. Yeah, that's the anomaly that proves the rule. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy with. I want to see us. I want to see us start to open up a little bit. And like you say, we've got a a much a much um, more inviting run, run of fixtures coming up and. I want to see us attack them a little bit and try and get some points on the board and start to move towards that that top six or seven where we can um, we can hopefully target this season. So um, that's my that's my wish, and I, of course I want to beat Wolves. I know I know it's not everyone's local derby, but at the moment it's our local derby, and um, I, I, I want to be the top Midlands club. So. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's hope we can we can take another step towards that. But what what are you saying for this one? What's your prediction? I'm saying a Villa win. I think even with I think I'm as long as Martinez is there, I'm going to say two nil. If Martinez is not there, I think we'll concede. I think Martinez is that important. Um, I think that he just settles everyone down, and he obviously he will pull out saves you won't expect him to save. I think we'll win regardless. Uh, but I think 2-0 if Martinez plays, 2-1 if Steer plays. That's my okay. prediction. Fair enough. I'm going to go for a for a big 3-1 win um, with Ooh. Bailey to come on and, and run the show in the second half. Um, but yeah, if you are go- if you're going to the game, um, might see you there. Have a have a have a great day. It'd be good to be back. It's been about a month. Um, so I can't wait to get back. Um, thanks, Craig, for for joining me, and thanks to everyone for for listening today. And if you want to get your Manscaped products, head over to manscaped.com and use the code LAMP for your 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And other than that, we'll be back next week to to look back at the Wolves game and to look ahead to the next one, which I can't remember who it is, Arsenal. Arsenal away, I believe. Um, So enjoy the match, stay safe and up the villa.